0: All right, since we're second string, we've got a pitch hitter here today, too, Jacob Taylor. I uh, would like to welcome Jacob to Kashai. Uh, Bill and I have known him since he was born, I guess, Bill. Uh, he's a native of Hexalina, Bertie County. Uh, he used to help us bag fertilizer when he was a kid, so we've known him for a while. Growing up, his nickname was Deacon, so he kind of figured out which direction he'd be going in. Uh, he left school for Florida some years ago, came home with a degree and a new wife. He has a little one-year-old boy, Nathaniel. He farms with his dad, Herbie Taylor, so Blunt and George, when uh, he's preaching and wishing it wouldn't rain anymore, we know what he's talking about, don't we? Anyhow, welcome up here.
1: Thanks, Mr. Jack. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Uh Pastor Bobby has been talking to me some time about coming and uh, filling in for him sometime, and it just happened to work out. Uh, I was talking a little earlier that most people here would probably know me if I said I was Alice Taylor's uh, son. That you know, she worked; she's worked at Pile and Stokes so long. Most of you have been in that door and and seen her. And but uh, but I'm grateful to be here. Grateful for the opportunity um, as. Mr. Jack said I went to Southeastern University down in uh, Lakeland Florida got a degree in church ministries and I came home so and now I've farm full-time I don't know why I decided to do that but I'm kind of in too deep now to to get out um, but I've enjoyed it and I hope that um, that you'll enjoy my message and I um, you know, I go to Askeville Assembly of God, I, me and my wife are the middle school youth leaders, um, so, you know, I do attend the Assembly of God church, so I hope you've cleared the next hour, hour and a half of your schedules. <laughs> hope you didn't leave anything in the oven. So, I'm kidding, don't start running for the door. Uh, I'm not very long-winded, I don't uh, feel the need to... Talk forever, because uh, I feel like most things in the Bible are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, but throughout history, we just had Easter, and as we we're ramping up for Easter, we we're starting to look around at all the, you know, all the flowers, the spring. We think about the cross. We think about uh, the sacrifice Jesus made. And one thing that's always kind of stuck out to me as we as we kind of go through this every year is that while we tend to to look at, we tend to talk about Jesus being uh, raised from the dead. We we focus a lot on the cross during Easter. I don't know if any of you have ever kind of recognized that, but everywhere you look, you see the cross, and uh, you see it on signs and cars. You know, what's the first verse you always learn as growing up in a Christian home is John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Um, that's kind of the the foundation of your belief as you grow up and as you are introduced to Christ. And uh, it's a great thing. And I want to kind of preference my message today by saying um, nothing I say here is to take away anything from the cross. the cross was uh, is a symbol of the ultimate sacrifice, the the greatest um, act of love that human history has ever witnessed. Um, you know you think about uh, some of the people that we look at in our society as heroes you know we look at uh, firefighters or police officers or Uh, rescue workers that go into these dangerous situations and sometimes lose their life trying to save others. Well, none of them willingly die. It just kind of accident or a situation gets out of hand. But Jesus came to this earth knowing his fate. He knew what he was going to have to endure. You know, you see one of the, one of my favorite parts in scripture is, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying, He says, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from Me. So He understood the sacrifice that He was about to make. You know, there's been hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people that were crucified. And Jesus, I'm sure, was the only willing participant in that. He willingly went to the cross and gave His life to redeem us, so as we as I begin to uh, talk through my message, I'm not taking anything away from what Christ did on Calvary because it is such a beautiful symbol of love. It's where kind of the love of God and the wrath of God meet at the cross, in that His perfect Son had to be sacrificed for us to have a relationship with Him. But one of the things I've noticed as we look at Easter and we always seem to kind of gravitate towards the cross because it's so polarizing. You know, when you see the, the image of the cross, it's such a, um, it's such an incredible symbol that it kind of hits us. It's kind of the thing that we put out. But what I begin to think about while we were approaching Easter and begin to pray about, um, we don't really see the image of the empty tomb. In the way that we see the image of the cross, and in a lot of ways, the empty tomb is an even greater symbol than the cross. I mean, there you can't have one without the other, so they're bonded in that way. But like I said before, thousands and millions, you know, millions of people were crucified. I think Nero, after Jesus was crucified, several hundred years later. Nero crucified like seven hundred thousand Christians. Um, but the empty grave is something that we should look at as Christians, and it should hit us in one of the our most our deepest points with Christ, because the thing that sets Christ apart from every other person is that the grave couldn't hold him. See, that's our symbol of hope. When we look at the cross as the sacrifice, and we need to turn and look at the the image of the grave with the stone rolled away as our image of hope, because that's what that's what uh, that's what it is for us. It's, it's the understanding that that the grave simply could not hold Jesus. It's talked about in Genesis when he said, when when God says. The serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. See, back in Genesis, they were talking about the cross and the grave. They were talking about um, what was to come. So today, my message is basically going to be about uh, what the empty tomb symbolizes for us. What we can look at the empty tomb and what it tells us about ourselves, about Christ, and about our faith. So my first uh, point, if you will, that the grave shows us is that he is, in fact, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. We saw when when Jesus asked uh, Peter, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter replies, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And you see where Jesus talks about in front of the the Pharisees and things, you see him say Break this temple down and I will rebuild it in three days. But Jesus was talking about himself, his own body, because they, the, the, uh, disciples even questioned, what is he talking about? It took us 46 years to build the temple. How is he going to rebuild it in three days? So the disciples even doubted at some times, uh, At sometimes who Jesus really was, they couldn't actually understand the gravity of who they were living beside every single day for three and a half years. When Jesus was crucified, I I can't imagine the emotions that the disciples were going through. They've, they've lived, uh, they've lived for the last three and a half years following Jesus' ministry, seeing all the things that He's done. But the one thing they couldn't understand is why Jesus had to be crucified. They couldn't understand why this had to be the why this was the solution. They wanted to, Jesus to stay with them to to live out his life on earth. But Jesus knew that his calling was to a much greater thing, a greater purpose. You see, when Jesus is crucified and put in the grave, um, all these people start to question. They start to doubt. And the Pharisees, you know, who were supposed to be the religious people at the time, go figure that they're kind of the the villain of the of the story, if you will. Um, but they, of course, go to the the Roman officers and say, you know, that he made all these bold predi- uh, predictions. Let's put guards outside of the tomb to make sure that no one goes in and steals his body. So they they guard the the tomb and um, I'm going to be reading here in a second from Matthew 28 uh, verses one through seven, but they, they guard the tombs to make sure that no one would steal the body because they don't want any type of doubt that Jesus is in fact inside the grave and that he did not raise from the dead like he had uh, predicted or, or said he would. And Matthew 28, 1 through 7 reads, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was, was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, uh, went to the view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and sitting on it and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples... He has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So we see the the morning of the first thing that the the angel says is, "Come and come see for yourself that Jesus is not here. Come and come looking. Come into the empty tomb and look, and then go tell his disciples because, as we know. The disciples were doubting Jesus. They were doubting if Jesus had actually been raised from the dead like he had promised. Thomas even goes far, and I'm not this brave, uh, but Thomas says, you know, I will not, I won't believe that, that Christ is raised from the dead until I can feel the nail holes in his hands and in his side. What we, what history tells us about this situation is that the, the Romans who um, who were guarding the tomb, they set out investigators to search for Jesus. And we have a, there's a recording that says roughly 500 and some people saw Jesus after uh, he was resurrected. And the Romans looked for him. I, there's a movie out called Risen. If you haven't seen it, it's it's pretty good. Um, but it's about like them investigating, trying to find... This man who someone stole his body. So they're going, going around because the Pharisees wanted to, wanted to disprove or wanted to prove that Jesus had not risen from the dead, that one of the disciples had taken him. But what the grave shows us is that Christ is exactly who he promises that he, that he was going to be. So when you read in scripture and you read the things that, that he tells the disciples, like he tells the disciples, uh, don't fear because I'm going to a place, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. There are many mansions. You know, we can, we start to see that and believe it because Jesus has already done the one thing that nobody else can do. He's conquered death. He's conquered the grave. See, the thing about, Christ, the thing that makes Christianity different from any, almost every other religion, actually every other religion, is that we believe that our Messiah wasn't held by the grave. You know, you can go back and you can find these great men like Gandhi or even Muhammad or you can go find Buddha. They're all where they were buried. They're all in the grave. I don't know how much help praying to someone who's dead does you. Just my personal belief. I hope, you know, you don't find that offensive. But if someone's dead, they can't give any help to you or me. But Christ is alive. And that is the one thing that separates Christianity from every other religion is we serve a living God. We serve a creator who was so worried about building relationship with us that he would give his only begotten son on the cross. And Christ, seeing the empty tomb, we see that Christ has conquered death. That He currently lives seated at the right hand of the Father. And we await His return. The second thing the empty tomb shows us, or symbolizes for us, have you ever noticed that when the angel rolled the stone away, it doesn't say like, Jesus come out glowing, glowing. Well, in my personal opinion Is that Jesus probably wasn't there Um, We see that When the disciples are sitting And it tells us the story of them eating fish That Jesus kind of just walks through Into the house So he obviously didn't need a door uh, So he didn't need the stone to be rolled away to leave But what can we take from the stone being rolled away And the one thing that I I believe that kind of the Lord showed me is that the stone was rolled away not for Christ to be able to leave the grave, but for us to enter in and see what had happened. For it to be a witness to us. I'm going to flip over. I like to flip a lot. So sorry about that, but we're going to go over to uh, Romans 6, 1 uh, through 11. And I uh, also preference. I do like to read a lot of scripture because I feel like I'm talking about the Bible, so that's a good thing to do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that now. It says, "What should we say then? Should we continue in sin, in utter, in order that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it?" Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But in that he lives, he lives to God. So you can too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what Paul's saying here is that if we're called, you know, Jesus said, "Pick," you know, um, in the Bible it says, you know, "Pick up your cross and and follow me," or "Carry your cross," and it says to crucify your flesh. But what Paul's saying here is he's going a step further, and this is why I believe that the stone was rolled away so that symbolically we could enter in um, to that. And our, our spirit has been reborn. You know that when, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. So we're called to crucify our flesh. So what Paul's saying here is that if we're called to crucify our flesh, are we not reborn with Christ? Are we not made new? So, As we look at the at the empty tomb, we should not only see that Christ is who he said he was and that he is the son of the living God. But we should also see it as 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 we look at it, we should we should see it as Jesus walked out of the grave so we can walk away from our flesh. We can put the old ways behind us, we can be reborn we can the sin no longer has control over us. It says Paul says that sin no longer has dominion over our bodies. So that tells me that Christ rolled the stone away so that we could join in his resurrection, not of the flesh necessarily at this time, but of our spirit. We're no longer bound by the things that bound us before. And as we Paul is the Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is made new. Well, if you're made new, the, the, new, the old still can't be there. So as we, as we look at the tomb, we should, have, we should have hope that we are in fact redeemed through Christ. That we are brought out of our sin, out of our shame. We are lifted up as children of Christ the third thing that we see in uh the third thing that we see through the empty tomb is that and this is maybe the 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 point that we would rejoice about the most is that death is defeated and the keys of death and hell are now secured see before uh before it was, it was almost like um, Satan was kind of running rampant and kind of doing what he wants. But now, death is no, no death. No longer has a hold on us, right? We shouldn't, as Christians, we should never fear death. I mean, that doesn't mean that we're gonna run to die, but it means that we should have hope that death is not the ending place for us. Death is. Um, the Bible says to be Absent from the body is to be Present with the Lord And that's what we should see here As as the tomb is Emptied as, as, as the stone is Rolled away I'm going to flip over again Sorry uh, To Revelation 1 uh, Verses 17 and 18 I'm going to go ahead and read them It says when I saw him I fell at his feet talking about Jesus um, John's Having a vision and he sees Jesus says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And it says, he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. And the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen. So Jesus himself has made. We just talked about the. With the little kids. About the red letter day. Well this scripture. Just happens to be written in red letters. I love how that kind of worked out. But Jesus tells us here is that. That he is the ultimate authority. That he does. That death is defeated. That the. the That Satan's clock has started ticking. So I always tell um, people you wonder why you always have all these temptations and why all this kind of all these crazy things that happen to us. And simply put, I think Satan at this time is pretty desperate. He knows, because just like um, us, Satan knows the end of the story. Right? When, uh, when Jesus Come out of that empty tomb, Satan's clock started to tick to the end of the story. There's no greater thing than to understand that Christ is the Son of the living God, that he has conquered death, that he has conquered sin. See, the thing is, is that when we look at the cross and we see the sacrifice that Christ made, that was the beginning of the process. Without the, without the empty tomb, we don't have the security that we have. If, if Christ would have never risen from the dead, He'd probably be looked at like Buddha or Muhammad, you know, um, like Gandhi maybe. You know, we'd have looked at him as this great prophet, but the fact is, is that when Jesus rose from the dead, when death was defeated and sin was conquered once and for all, it gives us hope that Christ, that everything else that Christ said is true, because if a man can, if if he can be raised from the dead, I'm going to say that. Kind of the, the gloves are off, so to speak. And we know that, we know what the end of the story as we read. We know how the story ends. So as we, as we think about the cross and the sacrifice, as we start to look at the empty grave, my challenge for you is to start looking at them together. You know, one, both of the events are great but without one without the other there are nothing the cr- the cross would have meant nothing if the tomb didn't wasn't left empty there's no there's no way to to put in the words what exactly the cross and what the empty grave means i don't believe that there's anybody Um, Alive that can actually understand the gravity of what happened And we probably won't until Jesus explains it to us himself But I wanted to, to bring that message And just to encourage you to start to look at the empty tomb And what it symbolizes for us It symbolizes that Christ was who he said he is That We can defeat the thing that nothing in in our life that can come against us has any grounds to stand as long as we're in Christ. See, there's nothing that sin has lost its control over people who are in Christ. So we understand that Christ is in control with everything in our life. And if we're truly living for him and we're surrendering ourselves to him, we know That we're in the right place. We know that sin and death have no hold on us. See, when when Jesus was raised from the dead, death became irrelevant for people who follow Christ. Death for us is just beginning. Now, if you start to talk to some of your friends who are not Christians, you may want to warn them about death. Um, That might be something that they are strongly afraid of. And I say that as nobody here, of course, wants to die, but we understand that when we are, when we finally pass away, when our time comes, that we get to stand before Jesus Christ. We get to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We get to, we get to enter into his courts. With Thanksgiving, we get to experience all the things that He has promised us. So I was hope, I hope this message as I'm starting to kind of close and wind down. I told you I'm not a very long-winded speaker. Um, I found that after about 12 minutes, people kind of start, uh, leaving me. But I hope this message, I hope it's kind of bridged the gap. Between the cross and the grave. We, as we start to look every time we see the cross. We not only see the sacrifice Jesus made. But we also when we see the cross we also see the grave. I love to see like the pictures and the printouts when you have the cross. And in kind of the background you have the empty grave. Because it's the complete picture of what Christ did for us. It's the complete picture of what Christ's sacrifice was. It was not only that he sacrificed his body, but him being raised from the dead shows us that we can trust in him. See, I'm pretty sure that the disciples wouldn't have went out, you know, the the great charge uh, in Acts is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. I'm pretty sure if Christ wouldn't have raised from the dead, these 12 men wouldn't have went out and started making the disciples. I'm I'm gonna say if you follow somebody for three and a half years and they promise, they say, well, I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm gonna be sacrificed, I'm gonna raise from the dead in three days. I'm pretty sure three days later, if I haven't seen you and I'm one of the twelve, I'm not, I'm not going out and traveling the world. I'm not getting, uh, put in prison. I'm not getting, uh, I'm not getting crucified. I'm not dying from being, uh, from stones being thrown at me. I'm not doing that if Christ doesn't raise from the dead. And I think that ultimately is one of the one of the things that I always love is like if you really look at it from just uh not even looking at the Bible, but if you just look at it as a, as any person would you have a group of guys that has followed some Jesus' ministry for three and a half years. If if the grave wasn't truly empty Do we really think that these guys would have set out across um, across the world like they did and started to witness and make disciples of all nations? See, as we look at Christ and we see the sacrifice that He made and when we look at the grave, we see that He calls us to be with Him. We see that um, that we cannot that we cannot have a better understanding of who we are as as people except in Christ and we have hope that no matter what we face in life no matter what life throws at us that ultimately Christ is the king of kings and he's the ruler of all things And that as long as we have Him, there is nothing that we cannot endure. There is nothing that we cannot overcome. And one day, ultimately, we will experience eternity with Him. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You, God, for Your sacrifice, uh, for Your willingness to die for us, for Your willingness to come to this earth and to... Endure one of the, the worst beating and crucifixion ever recorded. That You would love us so dearly after we had betrayed You. That You would love us so much to, to sacrifice Yourself for us. And God, we thank You for showing us the empty tomb. We thank You for letting us enter in and see for ourselves... That death has been defeated. That that you are the King of Kings. That you are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And Lord, we thank you for for rescuing us out of our impossible situation, Lord. And we just we thank you right now. And we I ask, Lord, that if any person is here and they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. If they haven't surrendered themselves to you, God, that you would, that you would use this to, to penetrate their heart, Lord, that you would bring them to the understanding of what the cross means for us and what the empty tomb means for us as Christians and that they would see your, they would see hope. Lord, I just pray right now that that you would let this message sit on every person's heart, that they would, um, that they would take what what you would give them, Lord. That that we would ultimately understand who you are and what you've done for us better. And Lord, I just thank you for this time together. I pray for your hand of protection over each and every person here as they go out through throughout their next week, Lord. That you would guide and direct them in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, brother. Sharing the gospel. Paul said in first Corinthians fifteen. I declare with you the gospel our Christ died for our sin. The third, the third day we will death. So we worship a living Savior. His name, we want to commit this service. Father, Lord, thank you for your great love. You so loved the world, you sent your only by himself. And we thank you that he did come to death and said, Lord, everyone who trusts him this will be born again and be a part of the family of God. We thank you for the resurrection. Jesus Christ, Lord, what a joy to worship a living Savior. We pray as we, as first today, will go
1: forth and live and honor His holy name.